We are continuing with our series um, about relationships. Today is part four out of seven. We started, uh, Pastor Joel and Pastor Dave started, and I'm continuing with this uh, series about relationships. And today my sermon, it's uh, about forgiveness. We can't really talk about relationships, not touching the subject of forgiveness. And the title of my sermon is Forgiven People Forgive. Forgiven people, what they do? They forgive. In the past few weeks, we heard how a breakdown in man's relationship with God and sin entering man's heart immediately brought a breakdown in relationships among people. It wasn't too long before Cain killed his brother Abel uh, out of jealousy, out of bitterness, and out of, um, out of anger. Sin in us makes us hurt people around us. Other people sin against us, and we sin against others all the time, even we, when we're unaware. I just would like to read these two scriptures back to back and um, uh, make a few comments. Uh, Matthew 5 and then Mark 11. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. And then Mark eleven twenty five. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. We can see from the sports how the issue of forgiveness has direct effect even on our relationships with God, which makes this topic extremely important. If you wrong somebody, there is a very clear thing we need to do. Go and ask for forgiveness. When you do that, don't be just general, don't minimize, don't just downplay. Be specific. Don't just say, well, I'm sorry. Identify what kind of damage your words or your actions can, may have caused and ask for forgiveness. Be specific about it. But if someone wronged you, regardless if they ever ask for forgiveness or not, as a followers of Christ, we only have one option, which is to punch them in the face or, you know, kick them in the gut. As the followers of Christ, we only have one option, which is to forgive. Because forgiven people forgive. forgive. The Bible is very clear on this subject. It's not negotiable, even though it contradicts our natural instincts. Every one of us has been hurt by someone's words or actions, or lack of words or actions. You know, abandonment and neglect may hurt as deeply as sharp word or abuse. Whether it involves small or a big offense, it hurts to be wronged. We are all familiar with this gut-wrenching pain that strikes at the pit of our stomachs when we have been mistreated. This pain can leave behind emotional wounds of rejection, fear, betrayal, or insecurity. And just as physical wound, if left unattended, will get infected, the emotional wound 
also can get contaminated with feelings of resentment, bitterness, and revenge without the healing of forgiveness. Let's be real. Forgiving, it's not easy. Forgiving someone who wronged you could be the most difficult thing to do in life. But no matter how hard it is to forgive, the consequences of unforgiveness is so much worse than the struggle for forgiveness. I've been, you know, when I was thinking about preaching on forgiveness, honestly, I was considering, am I the right person to talk about this subject? I went through quite a few hurts in my life. I, weighed, I experienced some childhood trauma. I experienced some church hurt. And I know that forgiveness, it's not something that comes easy. But also I know that unforgiveness is a deadly poison, that it, we, if we hold on to it, it's actually killing us, literally killing us from inside. And with unforgiveness, unfortunately, time does not heal all wounds. In fact, over time, it only, our emotional pain only gets worse. Unforgiveness, it's like carrying around a huge weight. And the longer you carry the grudge, the heavier the burden becomes. And over time, unforgiveness, the roots of unforgiveness just go deeper and deeper, further entangling and um, completely consuming us. Unforgiving affects our judgment and perspective because we see the world around us and ourselves through the lens of hurt. We feel anger and resentment and bitterness, not only toward the offender, but toward anyone who we think or feel threatens us in any way. That lens makes us expect worst from others. It makes us suspicious, untrusting, even paranoid in times. It makes us live in this defensive posture, like you always expect a punch, so you put these walls around yourself. And it definitely affects our relationships. As I mentioned, I have, I have been dealing with many hurts and wounds. And honestly, all these things I just listed, this is something I have been struggling pretty much my entire life. So I speak from experience. But one thing I want you to know, if you harbor unforgiveness, it means that you have been deeply hurt and your pain should not be dismissed. And it has not got unnoticed by your heavenly Father. And the good news is that God wants to help you. He wants to help you to forgive so you can move forward, so your wound can get healed and you can go more, move forward. Forgiveness, it what opens the way forward. If you don't forgive, Resentment and vengeance will consume you. It's impossible to move past transgression, past trauma without forgiveness. So my question is, how do we do it? We all know, if you've been Christian for a while, we all understand that forgiveness is something that we must do. That unforgiveness is something that we can't tolerate. But how do we do it? Is Bible giving us any tools or resources to help us to forgive? 
and I believe it does. There is a great story that I believe we can draw some, some, some of these tools. Uh, we find it in Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter must have felt really good about himself because Mosaic law actually asks us to forgive three times. And Peter says, hey, I can forgive up to seven times. So he felt like, like a superman, super Christian. And Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 or 70 times seven, which means it's like an infinite number. What Jesus is saying is that there is no cap on how many times we shall forgive. And if you think about it, it's kind of a mind-blowing. It's a little bit offensive, actually. It's like, really? Do you really mean that? I can imagine how these questions just go to Peter's mind. And to explain, Jesus tells this story. It's a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or other translations said 10,000 talents, was brought to him. Since he, was not, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he had his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay his debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's masters took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when... That servant went out. He found out, uh, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw that, had happened, they, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And just to make it funnier, Jesus concludes, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The one who received mercy refused to give mercy. And by doing this, blocked the very effect of that mercy and cut himself off of it. The tragedy of the story is that servant's heart was not changed by the grace that was given to him by the king. And it brought him back, right back to his original position. 
When we truly understand our condition, when we truly understand our need for grace and forgiveness, when this grace is given to us, it cannot not changing us. It cannot not to change our hearts. How do you know that you understand grace? How do you know that you have truly relationship with God on the basis of grace? How do you know that your heart was transformed by grace? You know it when you can give grace. You know it when you forgive. Because forgiven people forgive. There is no better sign of our spiritual condition, of a spiritual condition of our hearts, than whether we forgive or not. Here is the gospel. You have been forgiven an infinite debt. And now every single moment of your life is a gift of grace. And when this truth really goes to your heart, it transforms you. And the fruit of this transformation is that it enables you to extend grace and to forgive. I believe that this story gives us a pathway toward forgiveness. We can see King did four things, and I believe we can, we can do those four things, and it will help us to forgive. This is this, those four things. He named the dead. He took pity. servant was brought in before the king, and the dead was named. Forgiveness start with a, starts with a truth-telling, with exposure, rather than cover-up. You can't forgive what you don't identify as a trespass. Forgiveness starts with naming the trespass truthfully as wrong. Often we avoid doing it. Because we want to protect ourselves from the pain of a trespass. So we downplay and we minimize what has happened to us. We say things like, oh, it didn't really hurt me. I'm okay. You know, I don't care about stuff like that. His words or her words didn't really hurt me. It's not a big deal. We'd rather not admit that we are offended. Somehow we experience this shame and we don't want to come across as weak and we we pretend like we're not offended i know it's scary but this is the only way to go let your guard down be honest about your pain be honest about the damage that was done to you be honest about the hurt bring it to the light name it talk to god about it Talk to a friend about it. Talk to a counselor about it. But you need to come face to face with the pain, face to face with the hurt, face to face with the offense, and admit, yes, that hurt me. I feel the pain. Name it. This is step number one. From now on, the other three steps, actually, it's going to be more challenging. So God help us. Number two, he took pity on him. How is it possible to take pity on your offender? 
To forgive, you need to identify yourself with the perpetrator as a fellow sinner. Rather than highlighting how different from you he or she is. And you do it by reminding yourself of how much you actually have in common. This is not what your heart wants to do. You want to accentuate the differences between you and the perpetrator. You're just a monster. I'm nothing like you. Miroslav Wolf, he is a theologian, and he was born in former Yugoslavia. He is a philosopher, a Christian philosopher. This is what he said about forgiveness. Forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. When you angry at someone, you stay angry at them by dehumanizing them, by creating monsters out of them in your mind. You know what is a caricature, like a funny picture? You know what caricature is? To create a caricature, a cartoonist needs to exaggerate some of the features. He would take uh, some funny, you know, pictures of your face and he blow, blowing it up. He exaggerates it. This is what we do to stay mad, to stay angry. Like, for example, uh, there is a picture here. Uh, he's a guy. There is someone I know. A good-looking guy on some days. You know, I like especially this one. But then something happens. You know, he said something or done something or forgot to say something and you know, maybe gossip something behind my back, and I feel angry at him. I feel, I feel upset. I'm mad at him. I dwell on that. I start to justify my anger, to justify my, you know, this feeling of offense. I started to exaggerate things. I leave out some other things, and I somehow dwell on how terrible, how could he say that? So I create this caricature. I blow out of proportion, and then when I dwell on you know, long enough, this is what I see. <laughs> you know? And then I, j I just created this one-dimensional one picture, diminished picture of him. <laughs> yes. And then when I dwell long enough and I just remain, it comes to next one here. And then suddenly it looks like that. You know, it's very easy to hate monsters like that. It's very easy to be mad and to really look at that. I'm nothing like you. I'm better than you. You're a monster. You're ugly. You know? And then when I dwell a bit longer, it comes to this. And... <laughs> Sorry, Joel. You'll have to forgive me. You know? Forgiven people forgive, so... <laughs> now we will, we will check how your heart is transformed by, by God's grace. Yeah, we can take this picture down now. <laughs> Let's say somebody lied to you. And then so I will ask you, and you met at this person. It's bad, you know, it's bad to lie. Why did they lie to you? 
And your answer would be, he lied to me because he's just such a liar. So you reduce the person to this, a liar. Okay, do you ever lie? Uh, well, yeah, but I'm not a liar. It's complicated. You didn't say, I lied because I'm just a liar. You are three-dimensional. You're a human being. You're flesh and blood. You're not without sin. So we should not exclude ourselves from a community of sinners. You stay mad at someone if you continue to feel superior to them. When you exclude yourself from the community of sinners. We, we say things like, I would never do anything like that. I am so different from them. But you know what the truth is? I am not that much different. Left alone, without God's grace, in my depravity, I am capable of terrible things. I am capable of the most terrible things. And you as well. You must see yourself as no better than them. The truth is that we are all sinners needing forgiveness. And that levels the field. No, I'm not justifying what they have done to you. I'm not minimizing the hurt and pain that was caused to you. I understand. But if we dehumanize them, if we create monsters out of them, it pushes us away from forgiveness and it cements us in our unforgiveness. It's very easy to hate a monster. It's very difficult to hate a human being, a flesh and blood, just like me. You know, a couple of days ago marked uh, one year of um, Russian aggression toward my country. So much pain was inflicted. You heard my mom share some of it. And so, so much of our families and friends and people we care about were affected by that. Pretty much life, I can see from TV screens how my country is being just destroyed. Piece by piece, town by town, village by village, city by city. More than 100,000 people confirmed that. When I think about it, it's so easy for me to create monster, to dehumanize those people who do that, to create a monster in my mind out of government of Russia, out of Russian people who support them, out of the soldiers who come with the weapons in our countries, in our cities and villages and do all that. But when I do that, when I dehumanize them, I can feel how I'm being overwhelmed with hatred. I want them dead. I feel like I want the same pain that they inflicted on us be inflicted back on them. And in do I feel like I'm losing it. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm being overwhelmed by bitterness, by resentment. And I don't want that. I know that this is not what God wants from me. So I'm reminding myself, even though the things they do are terrible, they are human beings. They are people that actually God loves as well. They are deceived. They are messed up. People are messy. But God loves us anyway. I remind myself of that. 
And it helps me instead of just wanting them dead. Instead of being overwhelmed by madness and by, by rage. I just pray, God, have mercy, have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. So after he took pity, he canceled the debt. And here we are at the very heart of what it means to forgive. To understand the whole story, we need to understand the size of servant's debt. 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold in our currency today, it's about 400 billion U.S. dollars. Think about this for a second. 400 billion U.S. dollars. How a servant could have lost 400 billion of dollars? What Jesus is talking about here, it's our spiritual debt that we all have. That there is no way we can pay it off. There is no way. Our greatest, our biggest need of all, it's to be forgiven by God. There is no greatest need. The king could have sold his entire family and seized all his assets. But instead of doing that, he canceled the debt. Yes, you owe me that much. But I canceled the debt. You're off the hook. Aren't you happy? Aren't you happy? You're off the hook. That what forgiveness really is. You're off the hook. We need to understand something here. When he did that, when he canceled the debt, he actually observed the debt himself. He paid for it himself. When there is a loss, you can either make a perpetrator to pay for it or you can forgive. But it means that you observe the cost. For example, if I, you give me your phone and I drop it and I smashed it. And you know that I don't have money to, to repay for it. So you tell me, don't worry about it. I, I forgive. But the damage, the, the cause of this damage doesn't just disappear. It doesn't just evaporate. There is a cost and you absorb it. You need to repair your phone. You need to buy a new phone or you go without one. But there is a cost and you bear the cost. In forgiving rather than retaliating, you make a choice to bear the cost. Mercy is costly to the one who giving it. Think about it. God's forgiveness is free, isn't it? But oh, it costs him so much. It costs him so much. Forgiveness is a form of voluntary suffering. When we choose to forgive, we suffer. But in doing so, we become more Christ-like. When somebody wrongs you, there is always a loss. Loss of reputation, loss of opportunities, loss of health, loss of money. There is always a loss. And sometimes what you've lost, you can't get it back. There is a real debt and you can feel it. You feel this debt. And there are only two things you can do. You can hold them liable to you. 
You can make them pay. You can try to hurt them. You can try to get back at them. You can try to punish them by being cold to them. You can try to make them feel horrible. You can try to make them feel pain. And the, more, the greater the pain, the more you feel like they're paying you your debt. You rejoice when they suffer. You root for them to have bad life. And when they suffered long enough, you feel like they have paid. But if you choose to make them pay, it puts you in jail. It puts you in jail. It twists you. And it makes you more like Satan than like Jesus. Alternatively, you cancel the debt. And you pay. How? When you want to slice them up, you refuse. When you want to gossip behind their backs, you refuse. When you want to inflict some pain on them, you refuse. When you feel like you're rooting in your heart against them, you refuse. When you place these reels in your mind about how they mistreated you, you refuse. When you do that, you're cutting off oxygen to the offense. You're cutting off oxygen to the self-pity and to the anger. And then bit by bit, bit by bit, as you grant forgiveness, you feel forgiveness. If you forget anything I said, I want you to remember this. We grant forgiveness before we feel it. If we wait till we feel forgiveness before granting it, it will never happen. When you grant forgiveness, bit by bit, it may take some time, then you will feel forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is an act of will. But it will hurt. Yes, it will hurt. As I mentioned before, forgiveness is a form of suffering. But when you do it, your heart gets softened. Your wounds get healed. And you are free. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. When you really understand how much we owed Him and how He canceled our debt, it transforms, it changes our heart to the point when we can cancel the debt of those who owe us. Because forgiven people forgive. Number four, he let him go. After he named the debt, he took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. What it means? It means that you don't seek vengeance. Apostle Paul encouraging us in Romans 12, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. 
For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We cannot handle revenge. We cannot handle vengeance. We are not built for this. This burden is too heavy for us to carry. And every time we try to pick this burden, pick up this burden, it exhausts us. It's destroying us. I can't forgive this person. I must seek justice. I understand. But if you don't forgive before pursuing justice, it's not the justice that you'll be pursuing. You will be pursuing vengeance. You would want to make them pay. You would want to make them feel pain. You would want to hurt them. That's not justice. That's vengeance. In doing that, it means we, we are overcome by evil. And we become perpetrators ourselves. There are situations when extra steps are needed for justice sake, like protect others or protect, you know, from repetitive offense. It's the whole other subject. But even those situations, they don't exclude the need to forgive. Refuse to become a judge. Give it to God, only one true judge, and let them go. Let them go. How do you know that you're really forgiving someone? How do you know that you truly canceled someone dead and let them go? At some point, you come to this place where you are good-willed for that person. That you actually sincerely care for that person. Forgiveness isn't easy. We need God's help. As I mentioned before, I don't find forgiveness something that comes naturally. I do have tendencies to hold on to grudges. I do have tendencies to be sensitive to hurt. It's not easy. But when we allow Holy Spirit in our hearts and we ask Him, He will help us. He will help us. Remember, forgiveness is a choice. It's an act of will. It's a daily choice, by the way, because life will present us with many opportunities on a daily basis to practice forgiveness. But if you grant forgiveness, over time you will feel it. You will feel it. I just wanted just to take a moment. We'll just close our eyes and we'll just close in prayer. I want us to think for a moment about how God canceled our debts. Think about what it cost him. Think about his grace. Despite the fact how messed up we are, he loves us so much. He came down to die for our sins, to take punishment, so we can have a relationship with him, so we can be reconciled to him. There is a huge debt that we owe, owed him. And he, he had the, the, legi- the legal rights to send us to prison. So we stay there till we pay it off. But instead, he decided to cancel it. 
He took pity on us and he canceled the debt. Just think about it. Let this truth just go deep to your heart. When you grasp this revelation, when your heart is rooted in this gospel truth, it will enable you. It will enable you to release and to cancel the debt of those who owe you. Lord, today we come and we open our hearts. We don't hide things. We don't pretend. Search our hearts, Holy Spirit. We're asking you so you would help us to forgive. Today we make a choice. People who hurt us by their actions or words or lack of actions of words, people who rejected us, people who abandoned us, people who abused us, people who took something precious from us, people who hurt us. Today, in your presence, Lord, we make a decision to forgive. We forgive. We cancel their debts. And we let them go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm asking for my brothers and sisters, Lord, especially those who have hard time to let go. Those who have this bitterness in their hearts and even though they're trying, seems like it's just not going away. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking for your gentle touch. I know that you see their pain and you have such a compassion for them. So I'm asking, Lord, help them. Touch their hearts this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, remember, forgiven people, Amen. what they do? Forgive. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Amen. <clears throat> Have a good week. God bless you, guys. Hey everyone, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We hope you enjoyed it and found something that spoke to you or blessed you in some way. That really is the heart of Harvest City Church, that you take what you've heard, learned, or experienced here, and then go out and share that good news with others. So go ahead and post this video to your page, start conversations, and who knows the lives that God could transform through it. If we can support you in some way in this season, please let us know. Maybe you've decided to dedicate your life fully to Jesus. We want to hear about it and celebrate with you and help you in those first steps. Connecting in to share the joys and the struggles of life is why we're here. Finding community is super important too, so if you're wondering about any of our programs for kids, youth, or adults, just reach out to us by phone or at the link below and we'll be in touch. To all of those who are partnering financially with us, thank you for your investment into the kingdom of God. It allows us to do what he's calling us to and reach even more people. For more info on that, go over to harvestconnect.ca give. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our live stream chat area at harvestconnect.ca live. It's a great place for interaction, commenting, prayer with our online hosts, 
and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our social pages and all that good stuff too. Take care, keep living your call, and we'll see you again real soon.